everybody, and welcome to Strategic Insights Radio, brought to you by Sterling Rose Consulting Corp. Sterling Rose Consulting Corp. is a full-service business consulting firm that provides business plan creation and review, marketing plans, marketing implementation, process automation, accounting, payroll processing, CRM design and implementation, and business technology strategy consulting and implementation. I'm Mike Salmond. A lot of that, I have no idea what it means. That's why we have the expert here on the show, Professor David Wilkins. Good morning, David. Good morning, Mike. You remember? Yes, yes. <laughs> I remember to call you the professor. And of course, you're with Sterling Rose Consulting Corp. And this is not part one, not two, not three, but part four of our series on financial statements and small business. And where we're going to pick up today, David, is where you're talking about financial statement ratios and calculations. Right. So for those that are just joining the show, and this is the first show they're listening to, no, no, hit the stop button, go back and listen to part one and part two and part three, and then- Which you, are out on the website. Which are all right there on businessradiox.com. You can listen anytime, 24-7, and then come back to the show and you'll be all up to speed. Brilliant idea there. There you go. So what are we going to start with today? Okay. Well, let's, let's get, let's jump into it. And, and again, just to kind of refresh everybody, uh, you know, financial ratios are important, but they're really overlooked by many small business owners. You know, even, you know, the reality is for a lot of small business owners, they don't understand their financial statements, which is why we've been talking about this. So getting into understanding and using financial ratios is even uh, a, f- a further stretch, but they're really important. Uh, you know, and we've got to have, as part of that, you've got to have accuracy. You've got to have the calculations that are useful, help to determine what the performance and financial situation is for the, for the, for the business. You know, comparing financial uh, ratios with industry benchmarks can be critical in identifying strengths and weaknesses. And uh, they're also, you know, they can be used to help you identify the future viability of the company. Uh, some, you know, there's a number of the ratios that can help you evaluate how how your performance is and whether or not you'll you'll survive uh, going forward. And if you, it's looking like that, you know, this is a good time to start and figure out what you got to do to fix the problem. Keeping track of your key financial ratios is important because there's a lot of people that use those. Your investors, your lenders use those to evaluate uh, your business. Uh, you know, in terms of being able to. Uh, fund it, uh, provide you loans, so forth. Uh, financial ratios have different purposes because some of them are focused on the profitability. Others measure the ability for the business to use its cash flow to meet debt. There's a whole host of those. And what we've, what we've covered so far is we've covered, a, a, we've covered three primary groups of ratios. The, the liquidity ratios, which is the current ratio, the quick ratio, and the debt service coverage ratio. The profitability ratios, which are the operating profit margin, the net profit margin. I'm sure a lot of people have heard that term over the years. Uh, the cash flow ratios, your operating cash flow to sales, free cash flow, and your short-term coverage. So those are the, all the ones that uh, if you go back to part three, you'll, you'll hear all about what they are and how, how they're used. So let's, let's start in with the next group, which we call the collection ratios. There are two ratios that fall into this category. They're really important because most financial institutions when you, or investors, when they're looking at, at a, a business to 
loan money to or invest in, uh, especially where they're using the assets, uh, particularly like accounts receivable, things like that, to to back the loan. They they generally only appraise those at about seventy to eighty percent of their value. So there's there you know you're you're already taking a a big hit on those. You can't banks don't look at a hundred if you've got a hundred thousand dollars in accounts receivable, they're basically saying at best you might get seventy maybe eighty thousand dollars of that collected, and that's what they're that's what they're going in assumption is. The key here is that you want to keep a cap, a good, good, good track of of what these receivables are doing because ultimately, at the end of the day, that really helps you measure how effective you are in collecting. Now, for those businesses that are strictly cash, in the sense that it's either check, cash, credit card, and they don't sell, have the sales on account then these ratios aren't as critical. A lot of small businesses have uh, a portion of their sales that are, are on account where they've set up the uh, you know, specific accounts with, their, with selected customers. They go through and, and make the val- determination, is this a customer worthy uh, and, and low enough risk to be able to extend them debt? That's the old, uh, how many, how many of those, uh, TV shows where they, you know, you go into the bar and this says, yeah, just put it on my tab. You know, that's, 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 that's the accounts receivable. So let's look at the first one. Uh, the first one is your accounts receivable turnover ratio. And that is your net credit sales divided by your average accounts receivable. Okay. So you're probably asking there, Mike, what is my average accounts receivable? And seems like that would be easy to figure out when you just go back in your history and well, a- average it out. Well, it, it is, but it's, it, it's, you it can make it even a little simpler than that because essentially what you're doing is based upon the time period you're measuring, which is typically done either annually or quarterly. You'll take your starting balance of receivables and your ending balance of receivables for that period and add them together and divide by two. That becomes your average. So you know, you don't have to make this thing super complicated. You know. Now, once you've got that, then you, you, you divide that into your net credit sales, which essentially are those sales that are on the on account. Any sales that are cash sales or credit card sales, things like that, those are all uh, excluded from the, the net credit sales. Then basically this, this ratio measures how quickly you're collecting, the business is collecting its accounts receivables. You evaluate the, the company's ability to issue credit and collect on them. Essentially, what it, this is what it all boils down to. Now, a high ratio uh, basically means that the company is efficient in collecting its bills and it's got, you know, the, 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 the clients or customers are, are paying on time. Um, they're, they're good, high trustworthy clients. Uh, low, a low ratio basically means that, the, uh, that they're not collecting, the business isn't collecting its money as quickly as it could or should be. And that means that that, that money that's sitting there in, in, is in account that hasn't, it hasn't been collected yet is basically money that's, that's sitting idle. In other words, you can't use it to 
buy more inventory, buy more marketing, you know, all the other things that you need the money for to operate your business. Pay your employees, for example. You know, when planning to use your receivables in a, uh, say, an un- under 90 day of a, a collateralized loan, uh, you, you want to make sure that you've got this ratio optimized over a period of years because most most of the banks and, and other financing institutions that you that will collateral, collateralize, that's not an easy word to say, actually. Is that a real word? Uh, yeah, it is collateralized. Yeah, there we go. Is 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 a word word you know and it's you know like collateral and then you eyes it <laughs> <laughs> you turned a noun into a verb. Well, there's a lot of people doing that today, like gifting, for example. Yeah. You know, you know, you know it, it, that seems to be a, a, a common thing now. Um, and you know, th- those are the types of situations where you've got to make sure you manage that. Now, a low account receivable turnover is a signal that you need to improve your credit screening of clients and, and collection pro- practices, you know, collecting money faster. And an improving trend uh, basically says that you're, 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 you're doing well and, you know, whatever you're doing, keep it up. But like everything else, it's not just that, that simple because even with a high ratio, which you would think, oh, that's great, you know, I'm doing well, Maybe what it means is that you're actually your credit your credit uh, criteria for giving credit to clients maybe a little too stringent, and maybe if you could extend credit to you know free up your your criteria a little bit, extend more credit, you could actually generate more sales without significantly deteriorating that ratio. You can't take the ratio by itself and and say you know it's it's either totally good or totally bad. You know, someplace you know there's always a lot of other factors that come into play. Now, the next ratio is days sales outstanding, and this is it's related to to our collection ratio. And what it basically do is is telling us is uh, it's measuring how many days outstanding you and it's, how long is it really taking, for example, for your clients to pay. And you you take your again your accounts receivable turnover, which we just talked about, and divide it divide that into three hundred and sixty five to give you a sense for how long it takes for the average customer to pay. And if you're extending credit, say for 30 days and the, and the, and the collections, you know, this ratio comes in less than 30 days, that's great. If it's over, significantly over, then that's basically saying that your, your clients and customers are not paying as timely as they could or should be. And one of the things that's always very important related to that is making sure that you have a well-defined product, policy, you know, in terms of how long the, the, the credit period is, you know, are they paying, uh, basically upon so, uh, the, uh, receipt of an invoice, do they have 15 days, do they have 30 days to, to pay, uh, make sure you've got a good process defined for that. So, so that your customers know what to do, what to, and what to expect. Now, if you're, you know, and if it's, and if it's running significantly over, as they say, that's, that's a good indication that you've got to, uh, uh, you know, tighten up 
on the process with your customers, making sure they understand what it is and understanding what their what their uh, what their general policy is for payment. Because lar- if you're dealing with large corporations, for example, or large public uh, institutions, school districts, municipalities, things like that, sometimes their their policies are they define those policies as you know we pay every sixty days or whatever it happens to be. Right. In that case, it wouldn't matter what your policy is. You're pretty much going to be stuck on their schedule. Exactly. Exactly. So you have to you have to take that into consideration as well. Yeah, you can sit here and say, I mean, all my invoices paid within 10 days of receipt, but if their policy is 45 days of, of receiving it, or even if I've, I know some that say, you know, the due date might be the first, well, they're not going to pay it on the first. There's going to be 45 days from the first. Exactly. So yeah, you're yeah. smart. You want to educate yourself, find out what that policy exactly. is. Exactly. And that's part of the part of the whole process of when you uh, when you set up uh, a new new business, a new client, customer, uh, on credit to make sure you understand what their policies are as well. Up front. Up front. Yes. yes. Always. Yeah. Yeah. Set those expectations correctly. Okay. Then the next major group of, and the actually, this is going to be the last of the major categories of ratios. These are the performance ratios. And this is, these are the ratios that help you really get a good handle on how well you're doing overall again, over a period of time. The first performance ratio is your inventory turnover ratio. Now, again, for those businesses that are services businesses or businesses that really really don't have inventory per se, uh, then again, this, this one probably wouldn't apply that much. But most businesses have some sort of inventory. Uh, that they're selling, whether it's uh, whether it's a a restaurant with the the foodstuffs, for example, all their raw products that they, they use to make the food, or a manufacturing business, or a retailer. So the, most most businesses, with the exception of service businesses, generally have some sort of inventory. And what this the inventory turnover ratio, which is calculated by taking your cost of goods sold divided by your inventory value is basically measuring how quickly the company is selling its products. Uh, A higher ratio means that sales are good and that the firm is more effectively managing its inventory, which like your receivables, the less money you have tied up in receivables or inventory, that means you have more, more cash freed up to invest in the business. And, and pay all your other expenses, including your employee salaries, things like that. The flip side of that, though, is that if, a, if the ratio is too high, that means your inventory could actually be very lean. You may be running too lean, uh, a, a, a level of inventory. And that there introduces another set of risks, which is essentially saying if you're, you could be on the risk of perhaps running out of inventory and losing sales because you haven't, haven't uh, stocked up enough. You can't fill the orders. You can't fill the orders. So th- there's, a whole, there's a whole science uh, on, on inventory management. And, and this, this just helps get you the list, least started in that direction. So you want to see a higher number. If you're looking at a company, a higher number is a, is a better sign. Higher number is a better sign, right. Because that may basically saying that we're, we're turning it over quickly 
that um, particularly in, in, in perishable goods, a, a, a supermarket, grocery store, you know, convenience store. Especially with that short shelf life. Exactly. Exactly. You want that turnover really, really quick. Uh, otherwise, that means there's a lot of waste. Okay. The next one is your accounts payable turnover. And this is showing how quickly uh, the company is actually paying its vendors. So on the flip side of the invent, uh, on the flip side of the accounts uh, accounts receivable, now the uh, accounts payable that you're paying out, and that's this is calculated by the again cost of goods sold divided by your accounts payable, and we use co- uh, uh, cost of goods sold because largely that is the probably the single largest account, if you will, or expense of a business to account for the uh, for the uh, accounts payable balance. Um, most most businesses will spend a, a significant portion of their money on their cost of goods sold over and above what their operating expenses are. But most of those operating expenses, you're generally paying those a, a, pretty much as you're going along. But you're generally buying your inventory on a time o, o, over a period of time and paying for it over a period of times. Now, this ratio basically is telling again how how quickly the company pays. Uh, the, the money it owes to its uh, its suppliers and creditors. For example, a ratio of five suggests that a firm is uh, is using and paying off its credit five times during a year, which is roughly about 70, 75 days of, uh, uh, between periods. Now, the ratio increases when more purchases are made or a company decreases its accounts payable. And like before, a high ratio is good because that means that you're paying off the creditors quickly. And a low ratio indicates that you're not. You know? So it kind of works fairly simply in that regard. But again, these are the types of, of ratios that are looked at from, uh, from investors, from bankers to understand, again, what's the, what's the cash flow and how, how effective that cash flow is being used. Seeing a pattern here. High numbers are better in all these ratios so far. Yeah. So far. So far. Yeah. There's always going to be those exceptions, but uh, yeah, so far, so good. Um, And this is is where we'll get into uh, actually some of the, some of those that actually not this one, but the next one is probably, probably the flip of that. Oh, okay. Yeah. We'll think about that. The next one's return on equity I see here. And I have a feeling a high number is a good number for that. Exactly. A high number is a good number because basically a return on equity. And this is again, something that pretty much any business that is, is whether they have stockholders or they're an LLC where they have members, the, uh, or, or it's a partnership, you know, there's a certain amount that's been invested in the business. And whether it's the, the amount that's invested through stock, purchase of stock, or the, the purchase of a membership, or the investment of capital to buy a share of the, of, the, of the business, essentially that's the equity. So whether it's really defined as shareholder equity, or member equity, or partner equity, it, equity is equity. And you're dividing net income by that equity. And what this profitability ratio measures is the income earned for each dollar invested in the company. And obviously, more is good because that means the more money that you're making for every dollar invested in the company, that means that you're uh, you're 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 about you're going to be uh, over a period of time going to be very successful. It, essentially, what it's measuring is is what's defined as financial leverage, 
And and again, that's that's leverage is essentially you're using money to make money. There are issues that you can you can run into with this. Those again have to deal with the next uh, next uh, ratio, which is essentially dealing with the debt side, and that's your debt to equity ratio. Can I ask you a question, Professor? You may. Um, we've been talking about performance ratios. Yep. You've mentioned inventory turnover, accounts payable turnover, and return on equity. And, and in all three cases, a higher number, the higher the number, the better. Right. The lower the number, not as good. Not as good. Is it possible to have a negative number? Uh, I see the wheels uh, spinning right know, now. You know, you know, actually, which of course would be horrible. Well, but it, I'm curious if it, that was even it, possible. You know, that is that's a that is a really good question. And in these I, in these particular ones. The answer is 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 going to be no, um, because you, first of all, you'd never have a negative cost of goods sold. You know that means because you, unless you're making mo- money, uh, you know your 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 vendors are pay- are, paying are you. if your vendors are paying you to take their inventory to sell it, then yes, it's going to always cost have. you something for to make your product. Exactly, exactly, and again. Um, you know, accounts payable is uh, that's always going to be well. You know, it, in, as far as the computer system is kind of concerned, you know, is that's this reflecting as a credit, but that's you know that's that's on a whole other story. Okay. But yeah, the answer is no. Short answer is no. So, so, short answer is no. I was trying to yeah, see that's if I a could, good one. That's a that's a trick question. I tried to see if I could throw you for a loop, and yeah. you, you passed with flying colors. Oh, thank you. I'm glad that's to hear that. Why you're the professor? <laughs> <laughs> All righty. The the last ratio we're going to talk about. And here's the one that um, is, is the question, is, is the one where higher is not necessarily good. And this is the debt to equity ratio. Now, what, what is debt, debt to equity ratio measure? That's basically taking your total liabilities and dividing it by shareholder equity. Again, whether it's shareholder equity, member equity, partner equity, but what this is doing, this is a solvency ratio, and it measures the amount of debt a company uses to finance its assets. Now, a ratio of 1.0, for example, indicates the firm uses the same amount of debt as equity. Now, what that basically means is that the creditors have claimed all the assets. And, and essentially, at the end of the day, there really wouldn't be anything left for the for the stockholders, members, partners, uh, if, if there was an, a liquidation. And if this ratio is even higher, that means even more debts being used. Now, instead of equity, instead of equity to run your business. Right, right. Basically, what it means is, is that a certain amount of money was invested in the business. And over a period of time, you're borrowing more money then was invested to actually operate the business. And you're not, and, and, that, and that amount of, of borrowing, uh, the liabilities is, is, is not going down. And so in other words, you're continually refinancing your debt in order to keep the business operating. You won't stay afloat very long, will you? Well, you know, that's, that's, that's an, interesting, uh, an interesting point, but it, you it's more difficult. You generally will end up not being as profitable, if nothing else. So, I mean, there's a lot of organizations that do it, but it's not the it's not the safest way to do it. Not something that's, you know, you want to you want to manage that. You want to keep your debt 
uh, debt ratio is uh, as, as manageable and as low as possible. And that's the most efficient because the more debt you have, the more interest you're right. paying, the more expensive it and is. And you could, you could, I guess, technically you're right. You, you could run the business forever, you know, with, with, a, with a bad debt to equity ratio, but, but it would be nicer to sleep well at night if it was a, a lower number. Exactly. Exactly. Because if you ever have a slow period, you know, cash, it could catch, catch, it could it, catch it up can to you. catch up to you. Yep. Well, that's, that's all the ratios. Um, I mean, there are more, but these are the key ones. These are the key ones. And, you know, the, 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 what's really important, why they're important uh, is it goes back to an old Peter Drucker statement. And for those people who don't know who Peter Drucker was, is, is, he, was a, he was probably the epitome of management gurus. Really easy statement. You know, what you can't measure, you can't manage. It's pretty simple, so that's why that's why these these ratios are important because they give help you measure, and if you can measure it, then you can you have a much better chance of managing it. And again, they're used by a lot of different organizations. You know, your your vendors, your creditors, and potential investors will all look at at these ratios. There are a couple of downsides, and and thing you know the ratios aren't all aren't perfect. And there are issues that you have to deal with, uh, and and recognize when you're when you're using the ratios. And one is that the fact that they they only deal with the financial aspect of the business. So again, the financial statements are are the driver, and if the financial statements are accurate, complete, and timely, which is really the key point, they're timely. Then they can be they can be of value, but if they if the information that they're based upon that these ratios are based upon isn't accurate, isn't timely, isn't complete, then they can be be very very misleading. Now, and there's also a lot of other factors to consider that are not financial but directly operational uh, in terms of customer satisfaction, employee productivity, things like that. Those are things that aren't measured by financial ratios. The other aspect of it is that a ratio by itself doesn't tell you a lot in the grand scheme of things. Now, some of the performance ratios, yes, they can, but over what you really need to do is you really need to be comparing ratios with something else, either an industry st- a standard or industry averages for those ratios or past a past period. Because what you're doing is you're trying to compare yourself either against your, your uh, prior performance to see how you're doing or how you compare against the rest of the industry. Can I make an analysis? You may. So that'd be like if you're a baseball player mm-hmm. and you're batting 300. Right. What does that mean? Is that good, bad? You, you don't know until you compare that to, say, other ball players. Exactly. And, okay, 300 may be a good average. It may not be a good average. You have to compare it to something. 300 by itself. What does that mean? That means basically what? Every every third time you, get, pretty much every third time you get to the plate, you get a hit or something, right? right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Which, which, by the way, uh, the, the neat thing about baseball, it's it's the one sport where you can fail seventy percent of the time but still be a star. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's only because of the fact that everybody recognizes that three hundred is not a bad average because you compare it to other his, historical in, in history and so forth. Exactly. Right. And you, so by itself, you know, you see a guy hitting three hundred. 
unless you compare it to something else, it doesn't mean anything. Right, exactly. You know, maybe may, may promote you to graduate student. That's here. my input for the show. <laughs> I am done. <laughs> well, and and speaking speaking of done, I think we have just about wrapped it up as far as uh, as the financial statement uh, segment. Uh, the last four shows have been a lot of fun. So this was part four this of four. Part four of four. Okay, we, are, we can call it a wrap on financials. You know, this time of year is all important. But so that's fina- it. Financial statements and small business, and I guess what you take away from today's show is really get to know your financial ratios. Exactly. Exactly. Super. Great. All right. Well, great job. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the series of financial statements and small business. want to thank David Wilkins, our host today with Sterling Rose Consulting Corp. And a reminder that this has been Strategic Insights Radio here on Business Radio X. To find out more about David or Sterling Rose Consulting Corp, you can contact the company at 678-996-1312, or you can visit their website, sterlingroseconsultingcorp.com.